morning. We're turning to the hymnal today to 704. We plow the fields that scatter the good seed on the land. And we welcome you on this Thanksgiving Sunday. 704, we plow the fields and scatter. Standing to sing, please. unite in prayer and we'll give our praises and thanks to the Lord. I'm sure there are a multitude of good things in your life this year that you can praise the Lord for, but above all, for His grace at work in your life. What a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Let's unite together in prayer to praise Him. O God, our Father, we humble ourselves in Your presence today. We approach thy throne through the merits of the blood of our Lord Jesus. And we have many reasons to give our praises unto thee today. And the greatest of them is the gift of thy Son, the gift of the one who said, I am the bread of life. O Lord, we thank thee today for the wonderful satisfaction that we find by believing and feeding upon our Lord Jesus, who is full of grace, full of mercy, and is truly continual food for our souls. Thank you for every believer here today who has a testimony loud and clear of God's saving grace. 
We thank Thee for Thy mercies at work in each life. And we can see the temporal blessings for the good things that we enjoy, food on the table daily, health and strength, family and homes. And Lord, we come today to remember those that are not so fortunate. We think of those that live in famine, live with floods, in war-torn countries, in fear, and many even in tents, and their lives are up in an upheaval. We cry today that Thou wilt remember them. And even those in our own communities who through ill health, mental health, addictions, vices, we see the strike of poverty against them. We ask, O God, that Thou wilt remember them today. And we pray that Thou wilt deal even in this nation in great grace and mercy. We also come today to pray for a harvest of souls. And we pray this to begin within our own families. Lord, we earnestly pray again for household salvation, for sons and daughters and grandchildren that are away from God, who are following this world, who are like the prodigal, and we fear that soon they be eating with the swine. O Heavenly Father, we pray that Thou wilt in grace give them repentance, that Thou wilt cause them to come to themselves as the prodigal did. And we know that with Thee that there is a wonderful welcome and a wonderful restoration for the repentant sinner. And so, as parents, we pray today that Thou wilt give that repentance in mercy, Lord, not out of any desert, but out of mercy. And we pray that the good and gracious God who cares for the whole world, Lord, we ask Thee to remember our children, and we pray that there will be amongst all our churches a harvest of souls beginning in our family circles. Remember those who gather in to our churches that are not saved. They are yet without a Savior, and they have yet to taste and see that the Lord is good. O oh Lord, we pray that Thou will grant to them the new birth, that the hardness of the heart will be melted away, and Thou wilt give them new hearts, that they may truly believe and trust to rest in the Lord Jesus for salvation. We ask, O God, that Thou wilt give us a spiritual harvest in these times. We think of our churches across this nation, across this continent, and our mission fields, Lord, Thou hast called us to preach the gospel. You have said, Lord, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And lo, I am with you always. Therefore, Lord, we pray for the blessing. We pray for the heavens to be opened 
We pray for the showers of rain upon the thirsty land. We pray that the spiritual deadness will be stomped out and new life will be given. And we pray that there will be a breath of revival, a spiritual harvest in this nation of many that are born of the Spirit and whose names are written in the Lamb's book. O God, therefore, bless every gospel effort, every Christian witness, every endeavor to take the message of Christ crucified to poor lost sinners, whether it be street ministries, church ministries, or special endeavors. O God, we pray that Thou wilt bless the preaching of the gospel in this land of Canada. Have mercy, O God, and remember what Thou hast done in the past, and thank You for Christian testimonies that You've raised up. Lord, we pray Thee to do it again, for a new generation is rising up that know not the Lord. We cry to Thee that You will turn many to Yourself. And, O Lord, You've told us that he that goeth forth bearing seed with tears shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. And so we pray that Thou wilt lay upon us that burden, that we may minister not haphazardly nor academically, but with a burden for souls, that we might be the messengers of salvation, messengers of grace, and that Your church will be the arena of redemption to bring poor lost sinners into our right relationship with Thee. O God, come in grace. Hear the cries of Your people. Remember the elderly. Remember the infirmed and the, those who are ill and those who join us online today for whatever reason. We ask, O God, that Your Word will be as a handful in purpose to each soul. Now hear us and bless us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our next hymn is number 706, Bringing in the Sheaves. Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noontide, and the dewy eve. 706. And we'll stand to sing, please.
seated. And for a harvest reading today, we're turning to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, and we come to the barley harvest field. Let's turn in God's Word then to Ruth chapter 2, and we'll begin at verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field, and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto a servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came, and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here, fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, 
At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying unto her, Glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that they may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth, the Moabites, said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Amen. Amen. And for all those romantics in our congregation this morning, did you notice that it said that her hap was to glean in the part of the field that belonged to Boaz? Right. Right. And all those young people that just put themselves in the right place at the right time to find what they hope to be the right person. All we can say is, right. Well, it's time for the announcements, and we'll call upon uh, Mr. Fraser to come and give us the necessary announcements today. Well, we welcome you to our service this morning, and we also welcome those viewing online and it's nice that we have our sister Madwood back with us from India and uh, pray for the Lord's blessing on us as we meet together around his word. As you know, uh, Dr. Saunders is in Calgary this morning and uh, we have Reverend Gallagher with us morning and evening and our brother Frank DiDerno will be preaching in Phoenix for the next two weeks. Uh, the week of prayer went well and uh, pray for uh, John Kelly as he's starting the work up in New Hampshire, in the same place that he was uh, previously ministering, but it's a new 
work that he's starting. Uh, the prayer meeting, uh, Lord willing, will be at 7.30 on Wednesday evening, and we're hoping that uh, Reverend Saunders will be back. Next Lord's Day, the Bible class at 9.55 and the services at 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. with the prayer time at 5.50. Uh, the food drive will continue for another week. Uh, we still have opportunity um, to um, give non-perishable food items and uh, we will be accepting donations for another week um, on those. Please continue to pray for Reverend John Bodner, also um, Ron Blair and our sister Serene, uh, Dr. McClelland um, and our sister Joan. Um, please also remember in prayer uh, June Hamilton, that's the wife of Reverend Stephen Hamilton, she was taken into hospital this morning with some abdominal pain, and we just pray for, pray for her. Uh, may God uh, bless us as we continue to worship him. Thank you, Mr. Fraser, and it is very nice for Beulah and me to join with you for this service this morning to help out, uh, allowing Reverend... Uh, Saunders to remain in Calgary after the week of prayer there. I believe he's preaching uh, this morning in the Calgary church, and uh, it's always nice after the week of prayer with all the pressures of preparing for that, travel to it, the demands of the week, and then getting back, not having to get back and preach in your own pulpit. That's always uh, a boon, and a bonus, and we trust the Lord will bless him as he returns uh, this week again to you. What a beautiful Sunday morning it was as we drove down from Barrie this morning, and my wife was ooing and eyeing at all the nice colors and the trees and so on, and I gently reminded her, yes, decay. It's all decay. And we all change color a little bit uh, when we get to that autumn season. But uh, what a wonderful country we live in, and what provisions God grants. And yet it is a tragedy that in our cities and even our rural areas that there are those that live in want. And there's all kinds of stories and histories behind that want, but it is very sad. Uh, that people end up. We have in, in Barrie certain intersections, and there are signs up, no peddling, whatever, and yet there are people there with their little cardboard signs, hungry in need and whatever, and legally you're not supposed to uh, give anything in that situation. It is dangerous, and it's very tragic that people are in that situation. But thankfully, that is the minority, a small minority. And you think of the millions of people and homes in our country where there is wonderful provision today. And I hope that you and your family will be able to meet with a, a well-provided table and that you will have God's blessing upon your family circle. I was praying earnestly this morning in the opening prayer for our children, and I include in that all the children of our churches. That was very much a focus of our week of prayer, 
there were ministers, elders, crying out to God for children, for individual children, and for the youth of our churches. And that is certainly a great need, and we long to see a harvest of God's grace at work in the young people of our churches. I trust you'll be able to come back to the evening service, and we look forward to joining with you then again. Our next hymn is 694. It is entitled, The Call for Reapers, 694. Far and near the fields are teeming with the waves of ripened grain. Far and near their gold is gleaming o'er the sun, sunny slope and plain. 694, we'll stand to sing. stand as we pray a moment. Father, we thank Thee for this hour of worship. 
We lift up our hearts to Thee, O Lord, our Creator and Provider, the Lord of the harvest, which is true in the field and true in Thy church. Thou art Lord of the harvest. We pray Thee, O Lord, to let handfuls and purpose fall for every soul today, that there may not only be a laboring in the field to glean, but that there would be a bountiful supply for our souls. Feed us today. Minister to our hearts. Bless every head bowed. And help in your word. Let the scriptures live. O blessed Holy Spirit, the author and the inspirer of the word, we pray thee to open our hearts to it. And may we have that blessed heartburn as the Savior speaks to us by the way. Give that anointing we need to both speak and to hear the word. And Lord, we'll praise thee and worship thee with all our hearts. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Eighteen months ago, Beulah and I drove across Canada, but it was not harvest time. It was not even quite seed time. There was still snow in certain parts, and I would love to make the trip at this time of year and to drive through the prairies and see those seeming endless fields of wheat, of canola, the yellow stuff, and the corn on the cob. What a sight. Mind you, driving around Ontario, you can see huge fields of corn on the cob. And what bounty is there? I discovered that barley is the number three crop in Canada. And barley has been grown for thousands of years. About 1100 B.C., before Christ, that is, barley was growing in Bethlehem. And that brings us to the story today of Ruth gleaning in the field of Boaz. This rich landowner, he visits the barley field, he checks out his workers, and he discovers Ruth. What a story. And somehow, in the providence of God, he takes a peculiar and particular interest in Ruth although he was told that she is not one of our girls, she is from Boaz, from Moab. But that did not deter Boaz one little bit. Now, you probably know the tragedy that hit the family of Naomi and the story of Ruth, how she ended up coming to Bethlehem due to the death of three husbands. 
poverty, loneliness, and the day of Naomi's return to Bethlehem. And now they are reduced to begging, what we would certainly call today begging. But it has to be one of the greatest love stories in the Bible. But beyond the field, the barley, the people, there is woven into this story an outline of the great Redeemer and His love for the church. This is the wonder of the Bible, that in 1100 B.C., events and people and a history that was real is really the broad outline of the Messiah, the Savior that is to come, the particular interest that he takes in his bride, the church, and the extent to which he is willing to go that she may become his own bride. This is the great wonder of Bible inspiration. There is no other literature in the world where you can discover this kind of prophetic projection of the outlines of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ in prior literature that was written. And therefore, we speak of David being a picture of the greater David. We speak of Abraham, the altar builder, as the one who saw Christ's day, and he himself is a type and a picture of the Savior who offered himself as a sacrifice. Boaz is a type of our Lord Jesus. Now, when I say type, that means a broad outline, perhaps somewhat faint on the, on the paper, yet all the details will later get filled in. Ruth is a picture of a sinner, you and me, one who through death, misery, poverty, is reduced to great want. And this is the message of hope to all sinners. No matter your hurt and hopelessness, there is a Savior that can turn your life to blessedness, just as we see in the life of Ruth, who becomes married to this wealthy landowner, this kinsman redeemer Boaz. And what a change is wrought in her life. Now, this whole book is given her name. She said it's called Ruth because she is the chief character. She is the one that is lifted out of misery through this mighty husband, Boaz. And today I want us to study this book of Ruth, taking the letters of her name, R-U-T-H. And we begin with the R standing for redemption. And the story really begins with the reason for her redemption. 
Ruth was bought out of poverty, death, to a new standing. It takes us back to the terrible hardship which a generation earlier, through famine in the land of Israel, drove Elimelech and Naomi to the land of Moab. If you look at your Bible map, you will see that Moab is down south to the east on the other side of the Dead Sea and would take in the area of Zoar, Sodom, and Gomorrah. It is in itself a dry, arid area. And yet, for some reason, due to the local famine, Elimelech took his family, Naomi, two sons, Malon and Kilion, all the way down to Moab for a new start in life. Well, life was hard in a foreign heathen land, and we know the tragedy that befell them. Elimelech died. Ruth was left a widow. And then, over a, a brief time, it appears that the boys married after the death of Elimelech, but they also died. And so there were three women left with three graves and no husbands. It was Ruth's determination, sorry, Naomi's determination, that they would return to Bethlehem. And she said to her daughters-in-law, Orpah and to Ruth, go back to your people. Orpah did, but Ruth would not. In a plea, she said, your people will be my people. Your God shall be my God. I will go with you. And so there came a day when they returned. And so the die was cast, and soon the shock of the locals in Bethlehem when they saw the sight of Naomi. She had left full, but the Bible says she returned empty. No husband, no sons, without one daughter-in-law, and just Ruth. I'm sure she looked a sad, broken woman when the Bethlehemites gathered around and welcomed her back. It was a pathetic scene. And so, Naomi and Ruth had to beg for food in Israel. Ruth, being younger, joined the poor woman in the fields, picking up single pickles of grain. That's what they did. After the reaping and the binding into sheaves, and they may have been stooped or stacked in the field, but all around in the stubble of the field would have been pickles that fell off and were missed by the reapers. And so it was their task to take their baskets and just pick pickles one by one and put them into the basket for themselves. It was tedious. It was unproductive at times. And it was Ruth's lot. 
That brings us not just to the reason of redemption, but to Boaz's desire to redeem. The story tells us that instantly, when he visited that field in Bethlehem, and his eyes fell upon Ruth, there was a connection. There was a peculiar interest. Hence all the questions. Hence all the answers. Hence all the protection that was given to her. Hence all the provision that was given to her. The instructions that the men were to leave her alone, allow her to glean in the field, and not to go into any other field. She was to partake of the water and of the cake that was provided for the workers. All of this interest immediately that was shown to Ruth. We call this the mercies of the Lord to our souls. Because why is it that you're here today in a Christian church with an open Bible hearing the gospel when there are millions that do not care? They're lost on the broad road to a Christless eternity. And all we can say is that the Lord set His love upon us. We cannot tell why. We were not the choicest. We were not the most beautiful. That might sound derogatory to Ruth, but she was a Moabitess. She was a heathen in the past. She was a widow, and she was mature out there reaping in the field with the maidens. And even though sin has ruined you, and even though death has struck hard at you, one day, the Lord set His heart upon you, and He drew you to Himself. That's grace, and that's mercy. Boaz's heart was full of love, and it was determined love, love that would not rest. And if you look at chapter 2, verse 19, and her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and she said, The man's name whom I wrought today is Boaz. And verse 20, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And then you go to chapter 3 and verse 18. You have again the note of determination. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing 
this day. That was Boaz's desire to redeem. And you must know today that the Son of God came into the world not to, des to destroy, but to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save your soul. He came in love and in grace to draw you unto himself. Now we come to Boaz's right to redeem being well taught in the rules about redeeming in Israel, Naomi, that's Ruth's mother-in-law, she had pointed out that Boaz was a kinsman. He was related to Elimelech. That's Naomi's husband who died down there in Moab. But through that law of Israel, land Property could not pass outside family circles. And the nearest kinsperson was the rightful one to inherit or to buy back that very property. And so Boaz could do it. He had a right to redeem. But there was a problem. And in chapter 3, 12, you will notice, and now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. And that is our problem too. Yes, the Lord Jesus has the right to redeem us. He is our kinsman because he was born of our flesh and of our nature. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born of Mary, and he took our very nature that he might redeem us. But there is another <coughs> who claims the right and who claims our souls. Now, it's a false claim. The devil has no right to the souls of men. He is the accuser. And because he was put out of heaven because of his sin, now the devil makes the accusation that we must be driven out because of our sin. And so his mouth must be stopped and justice must be done. The sin problem must be dealt with. And there, of course, is the work of our Lord who must step in and purchase us by the power of His redemption. Now, this, of course, required the blood of our Lord Jesus. Now, let's get to the meaning of redemption here chapter 4.10 in the story of Ruth. And you will notice, moreover, Ruth the Moabites, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. And it's on that term purchased that we get the whole picture of redemption. That's what redemption means. It means to purchase 
to buy back. And Boaz, being a wealthy man, being in the family, was able to purchase Ruth to be his wife. And of course, that's the whole picture of the redemption of the church. It's the picture of Christ in His death for us, going to the cross to redeem, to buy us back into fellowship with God. In Colossians 1.13, and I'd like you to turn there just to get the uh, New Testament message on this. Colossians chapter 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And you can see the picture there, the translation from the kingdom of darkness, that's where you are as a sinner. That's where you are by nature. That's where you are in your own standing, in your poverty, in your emptiness. You are in the kingdom of darkness. But we as believers are translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of God's dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood. And so Christ is our wealthy kinsman redeemer who steps in, and with His own life and His blood, He purchased us to be His bride to be of His church. Now, that's the right to redeem. Then, in chapter 4-6, you will see the power to redeem. This other kinsman that was first in line, and the rule in Israel was that the nearest uh, in line had the first right to buy back or to inherit that property. And in verse 6, we are said, and the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. He was a wise business person. He had responsibilities to his own property, to his own family. If he took on more than he could manage, he may mar or lose everything. And so he basically said, it's beyond my means. I can't do it because I can't handle it all. And while this seems a wonderful opportunity, it's wiser and safer for me to step back and let another in the family redeem. And aha, after Boaz's challenge, this was now the right and the power of Boaz, because remember, he was the wealthy kinsman. He had the resources. He had the ability to take on the responsibilities of purchasing and redeeming all that was Elimelech's, and to take Ruth to be his wife. It's a wonderful thing today that we can say that our Savior is a wealthy Redeemer. He has all the resources in His life, 
in his character, in his nature as God and man. There are resources infinite in the Son of God that he can step forth and take on the redemption of his people. And from the beginning of time, he has redeemed his people by the virtue of his own life and blood. And he saves sinners today because he's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Have you got that today? Do you realize the wealth of the Savior to save your soul? Let there be no hesitation, no reluctance, because this is the Savior you need. And you must go to Him personally. And you must cry to Him, Lord, I dare not glean in any other field. I dare not look to any other Savior or religion. I'm coming as a sinner to Thee. And I give my heart, and I know that you have the power, the resources, the riches to redeem my soul. So that's the R of Ruth. Now we come to the underwriting. The story of Ruth is the story of Boaz underwriting every need. Boaz underwrote all the needs of this family. He underwrote their hunger at first. When Ruth came into the field, she was a stranger. She could have been driven off, but Boaz fed her soul. And likewise, the Lord Jesus feeds us. He who is the bread of life, and out of his plenty, the Lord feeds the spiritual hunger of our souls. There is no lack of supply with him. Boaz also underwrote the whole household. If you go to Ruth 4, verse 9, the whole household of Elimelech was included. That was Naomi and Ruth. Death had cut them off and left them black widows in mourning. They were impoverished and hopeless. And it says here in chapter 4, 9, And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's out of the hand of Naomi. And just a little detail in verse 10. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, she was the wife of the firstborn son, and therefore first in line from that perspective and side of things. And so out of poverty and loss, this Redeemer lifted the whole family. And so, our Lord Jesus, He lifts the whole church out of the world, out of its poverty and misery and death. What will it be on the resurrection day when our Savior 
he says to the Father, These are they whom I have purchased with my blood, and I present them to you, Father, without spot, without blemish, without a stain. All their sins are gone. I have underwritten everything for their redemption. What a glorious day. We come then to the T of Ruth's name, taking her in marriage. Verse 10 says, chapter 4, Moreover, Ruth, the Moabites, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. Nothing less than full marriage would bring Ruth into the riches of Boaz. That first initial gleam of interest, while Boaz was with his workers in the field, those privileges to Ruth that she may glean all day in the same field with all the protections and provisions until the complete harvest was over, all of that was temporary. All the heartbeat that went between Boaz and Ruth were but fleeting. There had to be the marriage union to lift Ruth out of poverty, out of her want, into a whole new station in life as the wife of Boaz. And sinner, your initial interest in Christ or the gospel will not save you. The benefits that you've enjoyed through Christianity and Bible knowledge that have delivered you from so many vices, you can say today you're not a drug addict, you're not an alcoholic, you're not a thief, you're not in prison, you're not uh, the worst of sinners that are around us. You're walking on the clean side of the road, but that doesn't save your soul. It is not until you are united to the Lord Jesus by grace, by faith, by the blood, redeemed, and in Christ as His bride, that will lift you out of the want the emptiness, and the realm of death. Only as a bride of the Savior will you be saved. I want to ask you right now, is there a marriage bond between you and the Lord Jesus? Have you heard the cry, wilt thou go with this man? Have you answered, I will go? Have you called on Him to enter your heart and save you? That's the vital step that is required. And I fear that there are some here today, older and younger, and you have said, I'm so encouraged with this, but you've never taken that step. You've never come to accept the Lord Jesus as your husband, to be his bride, to be united unto him. You are yet outside of Christ, not saved, 
and therefore lost. You must be taken in marriage. You must come to him. Then the H in Ruth's name is the heir to the Messiah. From this marriage union between uh, Boaz and Ruth, there came the birth of Obed. He was to be the grandfather of David. And the genealogy is laid out for us at the very end of the book. In verse 17, it is summarized, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Isn't the Bible a marvelous book? This inspired word whereby the Spirit of God weaves people's lives, events, things that were called, it happened, it just happened. Oh, no, it didn't just happen. This was the mighty grace of God at work. And through this union between Boaz and Ruth, came forth Obed, and from Obed, Jesse, and Jesse, David, and through the line of David is our blessed Messiah. What a wonderful and powerful Redeemer he is. Every Christian has a testimony similar to Ruth's. We have been picked up from the gutters of sin and raised one day to the uttermost in glory. How can you miss this? How blind must you be to feel to see the wisdom and the power of God weaving all of this together to bring forth such a Savior who would save our souls. And he's in the world today, and he's calling sinners one by one. And as Boaz said to Ruth, the Lord says to us, go not into another field to glean. Don't be looking for some other worldly way. Come to the cross. Come to the place where redemption was purchased where the blood was shed. And that's where you will meet with God on the terms of redemption. And what a story you will have to tell. The story of Ruth, the romance of redemption. And it can be replicated in your life. Today, you, can become a new person in Christ. What a story, and what a hope is set before you today. Don't miss it. And so I plead with you to hear the, the wonderful message in this book of Ruth, the message of redemption. Come. Come to the cross and be saved today. If I can be of any personal help or 
you would love to speak with someone, there are many here today who would take the time and open the Bible and pray with you that you might enter in and begin this life of union with the Lord Jesus. Would you do that after this service? While others leave the, the sanctuary, you stay on. But come, put your faith in the Lord today. Our final hymn is number 515, 515. Where he may lead me, I will go, for I have learned to trust him so. And I remember twas for me that he was slain on Calvary. 515. <clears throat> thanks today for the story of redemption. We thank Thee for this picture given all those years in the line of the Messiah. Thank You, Lord God, for sending Your Son, for preparing the way. And now we ask Thee to prepare hearts, convict of sin, reveal the Lord Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. We ask Thee to speak on. O oh Lord, we pray that sinners 
will come and believe and rest to rejoice in the new husband, the lover of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. And now may the grace of our Lord, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with your redeemed people now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.